listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Excited, excited, excited for this word that God's put on my heart today. And honestly, the word that God's put on my heart, this message, is going to seem very simple. And it's going to seem very, uh, if you might call it, elementary. But God wanted to remind me today that we've been in a series on talking about our covenant relationship with God. Our covenant relationship with the Almighty God. We've been, this is week six, so we've been in this. We've covered a lot of ground. And if you've missed it, we have a podcast. Go, you can listen to it on their website. Go to YouTube and search for Abide Church. You can watch all the messages from this entire series. Go back and listen to these uh, messages because I promise they are life-changing. And I don't throw that uh, out there very often. Uh, I'm not just, uh, I'm not a hype pastor, if you want to call it that. That every week is going to, uh, the best week ever. But I promise you that God's word through this series is it will change your life. And what I wanted, though, as I was praying about this weekend, is I had a few other things. There's a lot of topics, a lot of things that we could talk about in this covenant series. We could go another six weeks. There's plenty of things to talk about still. But God wanted to make sure, as we wrap this up, that we know how do we daily apply this to our lives. Because how many of you know, if you just have some head knowledge but you're not actually doing anything with it, then what are we, we're just wasting our time. If we come here week after week after week and we just hear God's word, but we don't ever put our hand to the plow, if we don't ever actually go to work, then we're wasting our time. We're just playing church games. And I don't know about you, but in this day and age, um, Jesus is coming soon and I'm not about playing church games, all right? Somebody like, let's get after it today. How can we apply what we've learned in our covenant to our lives? And we're gonna read a story from the book of Mark chapter four. Before I get to that and dive into it, I want to remind us of a story in the Old Testament. It's the story, uh, it's a popular one, especially if you're a VeggieTales fan, a uh, popular one of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Any VeggieTales fans out there? Come on, somebody. If you grew up in church. Okay. All right. Man, we got quite a few. Um, so is my son Gavin. So I've been refreshed in the VeggieTale world. Uh, in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in a, a, a certain situation where they are forced to make a decision. Either we will bow down and worship this idol, or we will stand for our Lord and believe that no matter what comes our way, that the Lord is going to uh, provide a way for our safety. He is going to take care of us in everything that we do. Well, what happens? Well, they get caught. They realize that they're the only ones standing. And so the king comes, and he takes them, and he throws them into the fiery furnace. And he throws them in there. And as they are supposed to be burning, one of the guards says, hey, there's somebody else in there. And in the VeggieTales, right, he says, somebody super shiny is in there, right? If you've seen the VeggieTales version, there's somebody else in there with these three guys in the furnace. They call them out. They don't even smell like smoke after standing. They're unharmed. They don't even smell like smoke. And then the king has to realize that their God is the true God. And in that story, it's amazing because I think it's so applicable to, applicable to our life because many times we go through life, and as we talk about this practical thing today, many of the things that I'm going to be talking about are um, offensive. It's us going out and doing something. It's us being prepared and making a daily decision to do these things because many times we go through our life and we say these defensive prayers, we say, in, in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we say, well, God, just keep me from the fire. Keep me. Don't let me get near the furnace. God, don't, I don't want to get uh, thrown into the furnace. God, just keep the fire. Keep me out of trouble. I don't want the, anything to be, uh, I don't want to be noticed. I don't want to get thrown into it. When really our perspective should be, 
on God rather than the furnace. Many times we pray so hard, keep me away from the furnace. And God is saying, if you would just focus on me, it doesn't matter if you get thrown into the furnace or not because I am with you. Do you see the difference? It's a huge difference. I'm focused on him, my Lord and Savior, the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm so focused on him that if I go through the furnace, what does it matter? I will come out on the other side, not even smelling like smoke, unharmed, because he is with me and my focus is on him. But so many times we pray and we give the devil so much power in our lives and we say, just please don't touch me or my family. Rather than if I know my covenant, so what if he touches me? Every time, this, I'm already getting ahead of myself. This is at the end of the message. I'm going to say it twice. Every time the devil messes with me, he takes the risk of making me. Let me say it again. Yeah, that's good. Every time the devil messes with me, he takes the risk of making me. Because here's what's going to happen. I have two choices. The devil messes with me. I'm thrown into the fires. The storm comes. Whatever. What am I going to do? Either I will lay down and be defeated, or I will stand up and I will run to God's word, and I will strengthen and renew myself in him, and I will be stronger for it, and I will actually come out on the other end and say, I am actually a lot stronger now that I've gone through what you threw at me. How much more confidence did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have in their God when they went through the furnace and they came out unharmed? Yeah, we believed, but now we for sure believe. We know without a shadow of a doubt what God can do when I'm in covenant with him. This has to be our mindset. Every time when I know that I'm in covenant and every day I remind myself of it, I know that if even if the devil messes with me, he better make sure he knows. He runs the risk of making me even stronger and even better. All right, this wasn't even in my notes. We're just getting into it. Let's get into Mark chapter four. This is the story we're reading today. Popular story. Jesus calms the storm. Let's read it really quick. Mark four, starting in verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, and he, or he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? This happens in our life all the time. Jesus has just gotten done. We read the beginning of Mark 4. He's just gotten done teaching people, helping people, living his life. There's been a lot of fruit from it. And what happens? They go. They're living their life. Things are great. And out of nowhere, the storm arises. Anybody ever been in a season like that? Things are going good. That's how the enemy works. Out of nowhere, he knows that he is powerless, so he will come into your life with tricks and all kinds of things and, and, uh, and trick plays and cheap shots. And when he shows up, it always seems like a surprise. But guess what? We have Jesus who knows it's no surprise, and it doesn't matter even if it does show up because I know who I have with me. Many times we're living our life and this unexpected thing happens. 
but we can't let it catch us off guard. So here's the first daily application, the daily principle. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, I have to destroy fear. Again, do you see the offensive (laughs) verbiage? Destroy fear. I can't let it linger in my life. I can't let it linger in my life. Fear not, that phrase is in the Bible 365 times. Why? For a reason. It's a daily discipline that when I get up, I must choose, I will not fear today. And many times when we think of fear, I think we cheapen it a little bit and we think, well, yeah, I'm not afraid of the dark. Yeah, I'm not afraid of, uh, of whatever. I'm not afraid of that thing. But fear is, is like a weed and it likes to cling on to different things in our lives. Many times fear comes in the sense of I'm praying and I'm believing God for something in my life, but I'm afraid that the answer is never going to show up. Fear. I wake up and I'm afraid, I'm living my life, things are going great, but I have this lingering anxiety of fear of what if though I lose what I have? Fear likes to cling, its, cling itself, its grubby little paws to everything in our life and it's in there and I have to ask myself, have I let it grip me somewhere? Have I let fear make a decision for me? Fear not, I have to destroy it. And here's the question that I think really brings this into perspective. When Jesus saw the disciples' reaction to the storm, he said, how is it that you have no fear? So here's, let's make it personal. If Jesus saw your reaction to the battle you're facing right now, how would he respond? If Jesus saw the reaction, your reaction to the battle you're facing right now, how would he respond? There's a couple times in Scripture where Jesus is amazed at people's faith. One time it's amazed at their great faith. The other time it says that word is that he's amazed at their lack of faith. So which would it be for me? In the thing that I'm facing right now, in the fear that's knocking at my door, in the situation I'm in, in the prayer, uh, the battle that I'm in, the storm that's raging, if Jesus showed up physically in front of me and he saw how I was reacting, how I was praying, how I was talking to the people around me, what would his reaction be? Amazed at my great faith? Yes, you believe everything that I've said in here. You're standing on my word. Or how is it that you have no faith when you have access to every promise I've ever given you? How is it that you have no faith? When, when Jesus asks that, he's saying this, where fear reigns, faith cannot. Where fear reigns, faith cannot. He didn't say, how does it you have a little bit of faith? He said, how is it? You're so afraid. How is it that you have no faith? Have I let, in a decision, in a battle, in a storm that I'm facing, have I let fear rule? Because if I have, my faith cannot rule. Have I let it rule in my life? Let's look at a few verses, though. Right? When I'm in covenant with God, how can I destroy fear? How can I truly fear not? When I look at God's word, there are verses time and time again. Once again, 365 times, there's verses that say, fear not. Let's look at Joshua 1.9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When I wake up in the morning and I know that I am in covenant with the Almighty God, guess what? I can walk up, no matter what situation I go into, I can say, today, 
I will be strong. Today, I will be courageous. Today, I will not be afraid. I will not be discouraged because the Lord, my God, he is with me wherever I go because I'm in covenant with him. Let's look at John 14, 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. What's he saying? I don't give as the world gives. What does the world give? The world gives with strings attached. Here's the gift. You better send me a thank you note in the mail, though. And if I, if I don't send me, I'm going to be very offended, right? The, the world gives and expects something in return. The world gives with, with all of these strings attached to it. And Jesus says, if you would trust me, I will give, not as the world gives, I will give you peace. Don't be troubled. Do not be afraid. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? doesn't matter who I work with, who's my boss at work. doesn't matter who my family is. It doesn't matter who should I be afraid of. Nobody. They're not the Lord of my life. The Lord of my life promises peace, comfort, strength. He will be with me wherever I go. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, I feel afraid today. God must be trying to teach me a lesson through this fear. False. God has not given a spirit of fear. When fear comes into the DeBell household and it tries to knock at the front door, when I've had these moments with my son Gavin, who's seven, and he says he feels afraid at night, can I tell you how I, how I respond to it? I quote this verse, God has not given us a spirit of fear, and then what do we do? We speak to the spirit of fear. That's what Jesus would do. Spirit of fear, we pray. Let's pray about it. Spirit of fear, we bind you right now in the name of Jesus and we tell you to get out. We will not be fearful. We will sleep with peace tonight because Jesus promised that we could have peace while we sleep. You cannot come in here. You cannot bother us. You will not affect our dreams. Get out of our house in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I guess, guess what? Sometimes we finish that prayer and Gavin still feels afraid. So what do we do? We pray again. <laughs> we pray again. All right, let's pray again. I've got to teach Gavin, and this is why it sounds elementary, but I know too many believers who don't do this. We have to teach ourselves to speak to the issue. I'm already getting ahead of myself. This is another point later. To speak to the issue so we can experience victory. But too many times, fear comes knocking, and the storm shows up, and we've been with Jesus. The disciples have been with Jesus. They've seen amazing things. But what do we do? We hit the panic button. Ah, God, where are you? Do you not care that I'm going through this? What the disciples said, do you not care that we drowned? We're dying, Jesus. Do you not care that I'm going through? I just lost my job. Do you not care that I've been, we've been trying, we've been praying for this answer, but we haven't got it yet? Jesus, do you not care? What do we do? We hit the panic button. Rather than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I don't care about the fire. The fire isn't the Lord of my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. I will fix my eyes on him. And when I do that, my faith will be built. And that's point number two. Build your faith. Daily, I must destroy fear. If I'm not intentional with destroying fear, again, it will creep in because it's sneaky. And it will affect a decision. Number two, daily I must do something every day to build my faith. If I'm not doing something daily to build my faith, uh, they taught us this when I was playing football in high school. They said, today, either you get better or you get worse. There is no staying the same. 
Either today, as a team, we got better or we got worse. There is no staying the same. Spiritually, it's the, it's the same way. Today, did I grow closer to Jesus or did I drift farther away from him? Because static Christianity, as we talked last week, it is sinful. It's not healthy. I cannot stay static in what I'm doing. Either I am making a decision to be better and grow closer to my Savior, or I'm allowing myself to casually, lazily drift away. I have to make a decision every day to build my faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So in this verse, what do we see? We see insight into the emotions of Jesus when he addresses his disciples' fear on the boat. He was not pleased. They had no faith. We don't talk about this very often, right? Jesus not being pleased? He wasn't pleased. Look at how he said, how is he? How? How is it even possible that you have no faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And many times in Jesus' response, and my son Gavin, he has this, this Bible, a kid's Bible. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it phrases in the story, it phrases it like this. Did you really believe, as if Jesus is talking, did you really believe the storm more than me? That's in a kid's Bible. Come on, somebody. That's a good, that's a good message right there. Did I really believe the storm more than Jesus? Am I believing the bad report I got? the things that are facing me right now? Am I believing that more than God's word? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I would say this, what is faith? Faith is, it's that inward confidence. It's assurance, it's trust, it's reliance on God and his word, and his word. It's all in with him. I'm seeking him, I'm going after him. I would say this, if I truly believe Jesus and I have faith in his word, being fearful, hear me, being fearful is an impossibility. Let me say it again, then I'll explain it. If I truly believe Jesus and I have faith in his word, being fearful is an impossibility. Here's what I mean by that. There's a difference between feeling afraid and being afraid. There's a difference between feeling afraid and being afraid. Here's a great natural uh, example of this. I'm, I'm five, eight and a half, okay? I round up. I like to say I'm five, nine. Come on, Jesus. It's good. I'm five, nine, all right? And I could get up today and say, you know what? Today's the day. I feel like I'm going to dunk a basketball on a 10-foot goal. Yep, it's going to happen. I've never done that before, Okay, I've never even attempted a dunk on a 10-foot basketball goal uh, in 12 years, but I'm going to do it. Today's the day. I haven't been practicing, but I feel like I'm going to do it all by myself. No trampoline, no nothing, all right? I'm going to go, and I'm going to dunk this basketball. Is that going to happen? No, it's not. So it is with fear. Feeling afraid is when fear comes and knocks on the front door. Being afraid is when I open that door and I invite it in for some sweet tea and we sit down together. 
have a choice. Feeling is the first step to being afraid. When the feeling of fear comes, I have to make a decision. When I open it and I see who it is, will I let you in my house? Will I let you in my heart? Will I let you be? Because if I allow it to come in and to sit and to be, and if I dwell on it, it has now become part of my identity. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if any spirit comes knocking at my front door, spirit of fear, spirit of depression, uh, spirit of infirmity and sickness, no matter what it is, if it comes knocking at my front door, if it is not sent from God, so I got to know his word, if it's not sent from God, I have to remember, I'm in covenant with the almighty God. So now I have a, feel, I have a choice to make. When this spirit, this feeling comes, either I will say, I guess it must be true. Let's come in and talk about this for a second. Let's just, let's just dig into this situation. Maybe, maybe it's never going to happen. Maybe I am going to lose my job. Maybe I'll never have healing in my family or in that relationship. Maybe, maybe that person I've been praying for to meet Jesus, is never, they're never going to come home. They're never going to be saved. As soon as I invite it in and I start dwelling on it, that's where strongholds are built. That's where strongholds are built. Now I have allowed myself to be afraid. That's not my identity. That's not my identity, especially through, especially through covenant. So here's the decision between fear and faith. Fear and faith ask the same question. We've talked about this before. They ask the same question. Will you believe something that hasn't happened yet? Fear and faith ask the same question. Will I choose to believe something that hasn't happened yet? It's the disciples and Jesus. Jesus, we're dying. Don't you care that we're dying? They're already believing that they're going to die. Rather than, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they've, they've been with Jesus. doesn't matter if they go through the storm. doesn't matter if they go through the fire. What? I will believe that I have life in him. Life through covenant. And because of that, I will come out untouched. I don't even smell like the smoke. If you're in faith, ask the same question. Will you believe something that hasn't happened yet? Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So what does that mean for us? Even if I don't see it in the natural, I hold it in the supernatural. I have to choose to see it with my heart's eye, with my spiritual eye, with my faith vision. I don't see it in the natural yet, but I will close my eyes and I will continue to, to speak God's word and to stand on his promises and to remind myself that I am in covenant with the healer. I'm in covenant with the provider. I'm in covenant with the almighty God who makes impossible things possible. And I will continue to do that until I can see it in here. Because until I can see it with my eyes closed in my, in my heart's eye, I will never be able to see it in the natural. That's the difference. We talked about this before. That's the difference between sight and vision. Sight is what I see with my eyes are open. It looks really bad. That, that situation is awful. I, I'm looking at it, and I should be afraid. Vision is what I see when my eyes are closed. God says, well, you need to have my vision. I close my eyes and say, yeah, I see that. I know that's out there. But God, I'm choosing to remind myself of what you put in here. I'm choosing to remind myself that I have access to the full kingdom of heaven. I have access to your kingdom, to your promises, and I'm going to choose to believe that and speak that until I see it in the natural. Does that mean that we uh, live in denial our whole life? No. 
but it helps us make sense of the verse that says that we walk by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? Faith is God's vision. I walk by his vision, not by sight. So when Jesus got up from sleeping, what did he do? Before he calmed the sea, he, he could see it in his heart's eyes. This ain't a big deal. I'm going to calm the sea. He saw it before it happened. And this is why I have to be in his word every single day. This is why in Romans 10, 17, it says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more accurate, accurate translation of this is that faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing by the word of God. This is an, a nonstop thing. That's what God's, that's the original translation. If you will look at this, this is meant to be a continual, nonstop taking in, hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And the best way for you to hear God's word is for us to speak God's word. I need to hear myself speak God's word. Speak his promises. Stand in faith. Remind myself of the covenant that I am in with him. I need to hear myself say it. And I would just say this. If I find myself consumed with anxiety, with fear, with worry, I have to ask myself, okay then, have I opened the door to that fear, anxiety, worry, and have I allowed it to come in? If so, there was some step in the process where I should have stopped. And normally, it's something in my daily actions. What am I listening to? What am I watching? Who am I talking to? I don't know about you, but in this past year, I've had to learn to turn off the news. Because I would get done, and what would? Fear. I invited fear to come in for sweet tea because I had the fear of all the things going on in the world on my TV in my living room. Fear would reign in my house. I'm not saying we're not informed. We need to be informed so we know how to pray. But I'm saying I'm not going to let it linger because it will consume my house. I had to take an examine. What am I allowing in? Who am I talking to? Are my friends constantly, the people I'm surrounding myself, constantly living in fear, speaking fear, speaking doubt, speaking things that are anti-God's word? I can't afford, I can't afford to listen to that. doesn't mean i got to disown people, but I do need to distance myself from some people. I have to make a decision every day to build my faith. One of the best ways you can do that before we move to point three is this, is to pray in the spirit, to pray in your heavenly language, to pray in tongues. If you don't know about that, if you've never been taught about that, or maybe you're like, oh, I've, I don't think I believe that. I did a series on, on the Holy Spirit a few months ago. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. And as always, take God's word for it. Don't take mine. But I can tell you this. Praying in the Spirit has changed my life. I could not do what I do every week without it. I pray more in the Spirit than I do in English. And I talk about all that in that series you need to pray in the Spirit. That's what God's Word says. When I pray in the Spirit, I build myself up. Jude 1.20. Edify myself. I'm building my faith. Sometimes when I go to pray, I don't have English words. Sometimes I'm so exhausted from the situation, I'm so exhausted from the battle that I don't have words to put together. So what does our helper, the Holy Spirit, do? He says, I got words. And these words are the perfect will of God. Will you let me pray with you? doesn't take over, but he'll pray with me, praying in the Spirit. Number three is this. Use your authority. This is a daily thing. All of these are daily. 
Number one, destroy fear. Number two, build my faith. Decision. What, what am I doing today to build my faith? Number three, I got to use my authority. Every single day. And here's what I want us to see. Hear this, hear this part right here. Jesus shows us in this message, in Mark 4, in this story, Jesus shows us that you have authority over any storm you can sleep through. You have authority over any storm you can sleep through. Why? Look at the life of Jesus. He's living. He has destroyed any fear. (laughs) There's not even a hint of fear in his life. He's destroyed it. As he goes, he is building his faith constantly, getting up early before the sun to what? Go and to meet with his heavenly father. He is building himself up. His faith is being built. And so that when the storm shows up, no big deal. No big deal. I have authority because I've crushed fear, I've built my faith, and now I'm ready to move. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What happened? They were ready They weren't afraid of the fire. They believed in their Lord more than they believed the flames of the fire. That has to be our heart's desire. I have authority over any storm I can sleep through. That's why God's word promises us peaceful sleep. His desire for you is to have peaceful sleep. Why? He's the prince of peace. When I'm close with him, When I'm reminded of my covenant with him, how can I not? And if I happen to get up, if I have a restless night, usually God's trying to, he's knocking at the door and he's trying to get my attention. Usually he needs me to pray. He's ready to meet with me about something. We believe, and many times we see, we know that Jesus had authority on earth, but many times we forget that through covenant relationship that we have authority. He's given it to you and to me. Let's look at a few verses here as we wrap up. Matthew 28, 18 through 19. This is the Great Commission. We're going to back up a verse to verse 18, though. Jesus came, and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Then the next verse, the Great Commission, therefore, go and make disciples. What's he show us? I've been given authority. Now I'm leaving. I'm going to heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. As I go... You need to go on the earth. What I have, I give to you. Steward it well, son. Steward it well, daughter. Go. Make disciples. Preach. Heal. Cleanse. Raise from the dead. That's our job description. Luke 10, 19, when he sends out his disciples, he says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Once again, serpents and scorpions are a signal or a sign of demonic spirits. So he's, yeah, we can, yeah, snakes and bugs, sure. But beyond that, demonic spirits and enemies that come against us, you can trample on them. You can walk in victory. Trample leading us back to the shoes in our armor. The armor of God, the shoes that those Roman soldiers were wearing had spikes on the bottom for trampling on some spiritual enemies. That's a different message. Let's continue on. I give you the authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Man, Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys 
to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says, I'm entrusting you. That's why I'm giving you my spirit. That's why my word says that you will do even greater works than I did. I'm entrusting you to do what I would do if I was still here physically. But he says, I need to multiply my kingdom. So I'm going to do what a good leader does. I'm going to go and I'm going to sit at the right hand. I'm going to oversee and I'm going to send a helper to you. And he's going to help you live this life that would be impossible naturally, but is possible supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit. Go, whatever you bind, it'll be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose, it'll be loosed in heaven. How do I use my authority then? Every day, how do I use it? I have to do what Jesus did. Speak. Speak. Did Jesus get up and he said, oh, I'm going to say storm's raging. We're taking on water on this boat. I'm going to say this list of prayers. And if I say these just right, then maybe, maybe, you know, it'll calm itself down. I'm going to do some hocus pocus over here and maybe it'll work. No. He knew his covenant authority. He knew who he was. So what did he do? Speak. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. If I'm going to use my authority, I need to be speaking with authority. This is why Ephesians 6, going back to the armor of God, it says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit. God's word is a living, active book. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. A few weeks ago, we talked about in covenant, what do we do? We exchange weapons with the person that we're in covenant with. We now have God's armor. So I'm going to say a, a quote here that sounds, that sounds bold, but hear me. It's truth. It says this, God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. Many times we think, well, who am I? But when I understand covenant, I understand that now we have become one with Christ. I have the same Holy Spirit that he had. I have been equipped with power. I have access to what? His sword. It's it's his sword. It is his weapon. So when I swing that sword by speaking his word, it strikes just as sharp and just as powerful as if he were swinging his sword. Do you see the importance then of speaking? If I'm going to use my authority every day, what am I allowing to come out of my mouth? Because too many times we let garbage come out. We let doubt come out. And what is it doing? Nothing. When I let doubt come out, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When I let doubt come out of my mouth, fear come out of my mouth. When I let depression and and these anxiety thoughts come out of my mouth, worldly thoughts come out of my mouth, I'm hearing myself. And we're doing the opposite of what we talked about today. I'm destroying my faith. I'm crushing it rather than building it. Every time the devil messes with me, he takes the risk of making me. So then, if I'm confident in that, how can I say that? Because I'm in covenant with God. If I'm confident in that, the devil's still gonna come knocking. He's still gonna throw battles my way. But guess what? Just like anyone in the Old Testament, when they were in covenant, they would have that scar on their right hand. And when the, somebody else would show up for battle, they would show them that scar and they would say, we can fight. But I got this scar right here that shows, if you fight me, I got, a, I got somebody that's backing me. And you don't want to mess with them. So then we know the verse, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
I can have confidence to use my authority because when I speak, God speaks with me. His word is just as powerful in my mouth as it is in his mouth. I have to make a decision every day to live in covenant, to do these these daily disciplines. And do you see how they are elementary? This is why God made this so simple. He knows we're simple beings. But I talk to too many believers who don't do those three things. And they're in church their whole life, but they live a life of defeat. Why? And they wonder why. God, where are you? When God said, I'm your partner in covenant. When you move, I move. Let's walk together. Let's do this together. Let's go to battle together. And let's see some victory. God desires victory for our life. Daily living in covenant is powerful. In order to do it, I must destroy fear. Am I believing something that hasn't happened yet? Am I letting it rule my life? Build my faith. I need to consume faith-building spiritual food. Going to church is like going to the gym, right? I can go to the gym once a week, but if I eat pizza for the other six days, I ain't gonna see any results. I'm gonna go the, the wrong way. It's the same way spiritually. I can go to church once a week and expect to grow spiritually, but if I'm not getting in this every single day, this is the good diet. This is the bread. This is the, 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 the water of life, living water. If I'm not in this, my diet is messed up. I can't expect to see spiritual results if I'm not in this every day, consuming spiritual food. I need to use my authority. Jesus said what? What does it need? Do you need to bind it? Bind it. You got me. I got your back. Do you need to loose it? Loose it. I got your back. Speak to it. That's what Jesus did. I'm going to give you this. I have reflection questions on your cards. I'm going to just wrap up with the action step that was as we wrap up here. The action step is this. As we move out of this, this covenant series, we need to remind ourselves of everything we've talked about. Remind ourselves because when I know covenant, my faith is built. I have so much confidence in God and in my ability to operate on his behalf. So I would say this, take communion regularly as an ongoing reminder of your covenant with the Almighty God. I know people that take communion daily. I know people that take communion uh, the same way they would take a multivitamin because they believe in the action of communion. And I would say that's not a bad idea. Many times we put more faith in an Advil than we do in this. I took took an Advil, I'm going to feel better. What if I believe that about this? I spoke it in faith. I've been walking in agreement with his word, walking in obedience. Guess what? God wants to move on my behalf. Take communion to remind yourself of who I'm in covenant with. And I promise you, if we do these daily disciplines, the devil may come knocking, but when we see him on that front porch knocking, I can open the door and I can kick his butt off of my front porch with my authority by speaking God's word. And I can say, you got no place here, devil. You got no place here, sickness. You got no place here, depression. You got no place here, harm on my family. You have no place here. Get out in the name of Jesus. And I can expect results from it. Victory in the name of Jesus. It may take some repetition. It may take some time, but don't stop. We will reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Amen? Let me, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're thankful for you. Thankful for your covenant. 
We don't deserve to be in covenant with you, but you sent Jesus so that we could be. You sent Jesus so that we could walk in victory. You sent Jesus so that we could know you better. And because of that, today we choose to make daily decisions to be good disciples, to be good followers of you. What you did, we will learn from and we will apply it to our lives. And when we do that, when we choose to walk in obedience, we thank you that you go before us, that you make our path straight, that you are helping us win battles. And no matter what fiery furnace, no matter what storm arises unexpectedly, we're going to sleep well. We will sleep well and we will get up and we'll address it when we need to. And we thank you that you are going to go to work on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.